Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and as always, former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. So, England have now won just one of their last 17 test matches, lost five series in a row, um, including a series defeat against the West Indies. We'll hear exclusively in a minute from under fire captain Joe Root, who talks to Harmy about his future. We'll look at how English cricket can recover and how specifically the standard of the test team can be raised. We'll get the thoughts from Warwickshire's director of cricket, Paul Farbrace, and hear from former England batsman Kevin Peterson. We'll also look ahead to the Women's World Cup semi-finals with England facing South Africa in a repeat of the 2017 semi-final and Australia hosting the West Indies. So plenty to come. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Well, my travels are complete. I'm back home. Harmy's not. He's still in Grenada. You would have wanted to get an earlier flight, probably, but um, there were about uh, 6,000 supporters who also wanted to get an earlier flight. So um, have you bumped into the players? I mean, what, what's the mood like? You know, that, I mean, this idea that players should walk around with long faces and uh, and not be seen and stand in the naughty corner because they lost a game of cricket is a bit, a bit outdated, I think. Hopefully they were able to drown their sorrows or do whatever you do in Grenada after the game. Yeah, I've seen one or two of them, and yeah, it, it's hard. It, it's hard. The, the world we live in now, and so, social media, camera phones, you can't get anywhere aware when things aren't going well. Um, but they're hurting. They really are. They're, they're, they're disappointed. They're hurting. Yeah, look, it's it is when you when you lose like the way England did after the first two Test matches, it is very very difficult, both physically because of what's happened, mentally, um, and then you've got to sort of somehow try to build yourself up but you know I relax at the same time because there's a lot long time between the next test match and there's a, that that's always a fine balance and the, the fine art of being a professional cricketer an international cricketer is when you have got your recovery time and you have got your downtime being allowed to to have it and that is off the back of what was 
a tough three days because I think there's been good things happening on this trip. I really do. I think England have moved some positive things. But unfortunately, the two batting collapses, what we've said, what we've seen many, many times over the last few years in the space of three days, are a test decider. And that, that's what's hurting these guys, I think. OK, let's remind ourselves of your chat with Joe Root um, shortly after the test. As you've seen on this tour, there's, there's, there's a way forward for this team. It's, they've shown a lot of promise. They've shown a lot of uh, good stuff and that we are making strides forward. Uh, I'm very passionate about that and about taking, taking it on. And, you know, I'll, that's not going to waver. I think I've made that quite clear. And the inevitable questions about Broad Anderson not being here. Have you learned anything about them not being here? And... Will we see them? We will see them in the summer. Well, I think, as as mentioned, we've we've learned a lot about the guys that are here, and um, you know. What have you learned about the guys that are here? Well, I think you look at the two guys that have come in. Um, how exciting that that they are as as young fast bowlers. What they can offer um, to this team moving forward. Um, you know, and you could you could you could argue about what could Jimmy and Brody do in these conditions, but you could also say about the guys that have been injured that were on this trip as well. A guy like Mark Wood on this surface could have been a nightmare. Um, similarly with the likes of Ollie Robinson and that's not taken away from the guys that have played at all but it, we've learned more about that, bank, uh, the, that bowling group and the depth within it and guys have had to stand up and take different roles on and you know, from that we've got more information and we know more about where we are as a team. And finally for me there's a lot of time between now and June the 2nd there's a lot of positions to be filled top end of ECB and structure and everything that goes in place what would you like to see as England captain between now and then? And what's the message for England supporters between now and then that's going to you know, encourage them and have the benefit of, of, of positivity of England going forward? Well, I think the one thing that's from a positive note from this trip is the attitude of the group of players that we've got here uh, and how determined they are to try and turn things around for, for this test team. Um, it's clear for me to see, I hope it's clear for everyone at home to see as well that... Um, we are making strides forward. In terms of everything else, it's completely out of my control. Um, all you know is you got. All I can say is we've got a very passionate group of players and coaching staff and support staff that are desperate to to see England win Test matches again and in the in the very near future. And we'll throw everything we can, all of our energies, into making that happen sooner rather than later. That was Joe Root um, chatting to you after the game, Harmy. Um, it was said that he was in full denial mode. Um, he put a really, really positive um, spin on things. And, you know, on the one hand, England were on the front foot in the first two test matches. It was the tourists who were pushing for victory. It just seems to me that the good things that England did were okay, and the bad things were spectacularly bad. That was the problem. Is is Joe in denial? I mean, there was no sense at all, at all, of um, of him being aware of the of the pressure on him and, and the calls for him to step aside as captain? No, he knows the pressure's on him. He knows there's big calls for him to step aside. If I was advising him as a friend, I would tell him to seriously consider it from his own good, nothing else, just for himself, because it's happening far too many times now and he's got no control of it. Yes, he's part of the bat- <clears throat> excuse me, he's part of the batting unit that capitulate and fall like a pack of cards. But he's only one. He's he's only one at the when you, you you can only you're only as good as your your, your sort of players. And in, in recent times, England have been really really poor. I don't buy the knowledge of it has to be Joe Root because there's nobody else. That's not Joe Root's fault. That's ECB's fault to come up with a solution and an answer. And when it comes to the only obvious choice. I think I can say 90, not, well, 90% certain 
there's nowhere Ben Stokes would take it if England sacked Joe Root. They're too close. Ben's such a loyal man. Go remember this guy, Ben Stokes, has been stood by by Joe Root through a lot of a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. And there's no, I don't think there's for any one minute that it would be as simple as taking Joe Root out and putting Ben Stokes in. But given that, Joe wants to carry on. You see, he's in denial. Chat I had with him, little bit of things that I've I've sort of spoke to him. You know, well, the, the heat is on. He thinks there's some there's corners being turned. Thinks as though there's things happening for the better. The problem is the one big problem that they've got is that they crack under pressure, and that's something he can't control. And unfortunately, it's happened twice in the space of four days, and it, it just magnifies the what's happened before. And it, and it dissolves some of the good things that have gone on this trip because I've been out here and seen what they're doing, how they're doing it. There's a lot of good stuff happening behind the scenes, which I think is going in the right direction. And Joe might feel as though, right, just stick with me. We are, we've turned a corner and we're going to go forward as opposed to same old, same old. I don't think it is same old, same old. All right. For everybody who says that Joe should step aside, um, there is another including Kevin Peterson, who says that uh, it would make no difference. I like Joe Root as a person, and I think that with a better team, he would be a very good captain, yes. He just doesn't have players good enough. For the players that he has mm. and some of the decisions that he has to make because of who he's got in his setup and the pressure that he's under every single day he plays, yes. That's Kevin Peterson um, advocating the line that uh, the captain is only as good as his players. Let's also remind ourselves of, of what Matt Pryor said, talking about the options to replace Joe as captain. I think more the question is, how on earth, in England, do we have one option as an England captain? How has that... Exactly. Can the cupboard really be you that can't tell me You can't tell me Joe Root has been kept on by the ECB because he deserved it. He absolutely didn't. He's been kept on because they don't have an alternative option. That's um, our fellow commentator and former England uh, wicketkeeper, Matt Pryor, talking ab- about the options. Um, Hami, I think we all agree that keeping a leader in any business because of a lack of viable alternatives is um, a really poor reason to keep that leader. But <laughs> there aren't any options. I mean, I mean, there, there are. Of course there are. You, you know, I agree with you. I don't think Ben... Ben Stokes would be, would be in England's best interests and certainly not in Ben Stokes's best interests. But um, Sam Billings has been mentioned, which um, I find strange, to say the least. Tom Abel is a very successful young captain at Somerset. James Vince is a, a fine leader of men. Rory Burns um, is spoken about very, very highly by those who've played under him. So there are options. But then again, England don't play again a test match until June. So, um, you know, there's time and we don't need to make any knee-jerk decisions or the ECB doesn't. In fact, who would make the decision at the ECB anyway? Because those positions all need to be filled first. That's the problem. The systems are a problem, not the individuals. The individuals might not be good enough, but the systems are a problem. And we need to fix that first. Chairman, chief executive, when he goes, you know, the MD, director of cricket, coach, because I think there's only one coach coming in. I think Paul Collingwood's done enough out here to, to, to do the white ball side. But what I've seen, and I've got a huge amount of respect for, for Sam, lovely kid. I don't really know Tom Abel. 
James Vince is a nice lad as well. But when I seen them, I couldn't stop laughing. I really couldn't. When I seen some some very well educated men saying Sam Bellin should captain the England cricket team, I nearly honestly I nearly fell off my bar stool. It was that bad. I was like, <laughs> really, Sam Bellin? Nothing against Sam. He's a good he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's a quality player. He played he's played one Test match where he had to drive nine hundred miles for because there was nobody else in Australia with an English passport to keep wicket. And that's not against Sam, because he, he, he can play, he's a decent cricketer. But he's played, in the last three years, he's played hardly, hardly any cricket altogether. He's been on the sort of sidelines of a lot of teams. So to go and put looking him out of a hat like that, when we're not, when we, ha- we haven't got enough 11 good test players to, to fudge aside, Never mind having somebody in who wouldn't get in the side to captain it when you've got a captain like Joe Root with some some average players, then why would you give it to somebody that's never captained the side and add another player who potentially is not good enough into the run? You know, can you see Sam Billings saying to Joe Root, go and go and stand over there, go and do that? How does how does Sam Billings deal with Broad and Anderson? Because they're oh, gonna come yeah. back in the summer. So <laughs> that's and I, and I and I feel for Sam haven't been to be put in that position. But for me, that if Ben wouldn't do it, there's only one candidate to get you till the end of the summer, and that would be Stuart Broad. Yeah. Because he warrants his place in the side, the respect that everybody's got for him, and he can captain a side. But that would be a short-term fix to get to the end of the summer, and then hopefully the captain, the coach gets their feet under the table, director of cricket get their feet under the table, and we start playing some better cricket. But at this minute in time, Joe Root for me, even though I did say if I would advise him to resign, Joe Root for me would captain the summer because not because there's anybody else, but there's nobody else good enough to get into the side that can captain the side. So you pick your best side and then you pick your best captain. And unfortunately, that's Joe at the minute. That is exactly what I was just about to say um, as we go into the break. Australian cricket has always never ever ever changed the system where you pick your best team and then go for a captain whether he's a modest captain or not England have got a history of picking a team or picking a captain and then picking a team and allowing him to to influence the selection of that team and I think uh, it's problematic you go right back to 1988 I think it was when Chris Cowdery was uh, made England captain because of a lack of captains he was he was selected to play for England on the basis of his ability as a captain. And that's a problem that still lingers. Um, we can maybe touch on that in the second half. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Next up, we'll speak live to the Warwickshire Director of Cricket, Paul Farbrace, and ask him what can be done in modern-day coaching to improve the test side. You have to franchise county cricket. You have to bring the best players together, playing against each other as much as possible. Get rid of the riffraff, get rid of a lot of the players. There are too many counties, way too many counties. And there's people smart enough to um, deal with how you structure it. However, you bring the best players, smaller amount of teams, eight or nine uh, franchises. And you know what? You pay some overseas players big bucks to come and play eight first-class games or nine first-class games a season in the UK. They'll do it. Pay them half a million quid. £750,000. million pounds. I don't care. These guys have all got money from broadcast rights. We all understand broadcast rights. They've got money. 
You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the great man, Steve Harmison, as we continue to ask how the England Test side can recover after their series defeat to the West Indies last week. And that was former England captain Kevin Peterson talking on Talksport Breakfast about the idea of franchising county cricket. Delighted to say, as promised at the top of the programme, we're joined live by Warwick's director of cricket, Paul Farbrace, who obviously followed proceedings in the Caribbean. So many, so many questions uh, for you, Fabi. Many thanks for your time. Kevin Peterson's off with the fairies, isn't he? Um, talking about franchising first-class cricket. It's not going to happen, is it? I mean, look, we, we, we've had this debate so many times. You know, we, we've all of us have chatted about this. Every time England have a tough winter, we analyse county cricket till the cows come home. County cricket is not going to change. It's there. We've got 18 counties. We've got some fantastic players. And despite what Rooty said... Um, a few months ago in Australia, when he was probably at a very low ebb, and he said that England was succeeding despite county cricket. I mean, again, that's nonsense. County cricket is strong. It's a fantastic game. Yes, we need to keep improving our pitches. Yes, we need to make sure that we're playing county cricket in the right times of the summer. But the, the county game has produced so many fantastic players, and it will continue to produce so many fantastic players. England are going through a slump at the moment. It's a really tough time. But let's not start attacking our own county game. Let's actually look at the good things about county cricket, and let's just make sure we've got the right people in the right places, because there is definitely the, the talent in the county game to make England a top test side again. Fabi, what about the, the sort of coaching? I agree with you in the sort of... Wonderful world. We'd love the best pool of eight players of, of yeah. first-class cricketers to play against each other. But we've never had that. Yeah. We've never had that. And we're never going to have that. So I agree with I agree with that point. I would like to see us play less games, give the grounds yeah. chances to produce better pitches. Which... Well, I, I mean, on that, Harvey, sorry to jump in. I, 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 no. uh, I get quite defensive on, on county cricket and county pitches. And mm. look, I, I've been back in county cricket for three years having worked in international cricket for, what, seven or eight years before that. And, you know, I keep hearing county pitches are poor. That there are very few times last year, and I dread to say it, but Durham, we had a very poor pitch because the, the ground was re- the square was relayed and they tried very hard there to, as you know, to, to redo the surface. And we, we got caught on a damp surface and we played really poorly and we lost the game. Now, other than that, we played on some very good pitches. We we won the county championship playing on excellent pitches in county cricket. Liam Norwell got 50 weeks in the county championship for us. Rob Yates got 500s in county cricket, um, batting on very good pitches at Edgebaston. The, the only thing we talked to Gary Barwell about is make sure that defensive nicks carry to slip. And that's something that Jason Gillespie instilled in me during my time that you were also there for a period of that, yeah. during our time at Headingley. And, and that was something that stuck in my mind. Defensive nicks carry to slip, meaning that the ball is bouncing. Everyone's in the game. Now, all of our championship games went to after lunch on the last day this season. And the only game that didn't, um, we finished between lunch and tea. Other than that, every game went to the last session, including the last game against Somerset that we had to win to have any chance of winning the county championship. Now, you can play on good pitches. We do play on good pitches. The, the, the coaching bit that you mentioned earlier, I said a couple of months ago, and I'll stick with this, there's a lot of lazy coaching in English cricket. And by that, I don't mean coaches are not 
going to the nets and working hard because they are. There's a lot of hardworking, fantastic coaches in county cricket. But I think with all of us, and I put myself in this category, because of white ball cricket, because of the emergence of franchise cricket around the world and the chance for players to make money away from county cricket, because county cricket is no longer the main place for majority of English cricketers to earn their money. We are no longer holding the cards as the county clubs. When you and I first started, county cricket was the was your main source of income. The county clubs held your contract, and the only way you could earn any more money was to get into the international team. Now, there are so many options, so many much franchise cricket around the world that players can go and play all around the world. I was lucky enough to go and coach a team Team Abu Dhabi in the T10 League um, back in November, December. And it was fantastic. It was brilliant. I had county players in that, international players. And I had Chris Gale in my side, Lee in Livingston. You know, we, and I managed to get a couple of players from Warwickshire into that team. And it was an opportunity for them to learn from some great players and learn to play against great players. So I, I think what's happened is that in terms of us coaches, I think we've encouraged players just to look to hit the ball hard, play big shots, enjoy themselves, have fun, come out of a session saying, have you enjoyed that? Yeah, great. And that's really, it's easy coaching, but it's lazy coaching. I don't see enough high quality, highly gifted technical players playing county cricket at the moment. And that is my biggest concern that we have in terms of writing this wrong that we've got with our test team at the moment. You mentioned the coaching. Are the coaches, are the coaches, some of the coaches insecure? Because I've always felt as though, how can a coach not, he must be able to see it. I look at international cricket. I look at Ollie Pope in the winter. Um, I look at Zach Crawley at the minute. This thing of batting on off stump, throwing your hands at everything outside off stump. Or surely top coaches can see that, but they're so insecure that they're, they'll not rock a boat with a player because I'm hearing player led this, player led that. Well, if, if a player is right. led, led down the wrong line, or he's thinking about down the wrong line, then the coach should be good enough, strong enough and man enough to say, hold on, you can't play like that. You're not going to last two minutes like that. And I just feel sometimes from a coaching point of view that we, we produce insecure coaches who will not do that because if they do, then you upset the pupil, i.e. the player. Yeah. And then when it comes around to your interview to go on the next tour, the player says, well, I don't want him to coach me because I don't like him. 100% right. And I think that's happening in the game completely. I think that there's a couple of areas on that. I think player power, um, and we're hearing that a lot. You know, we, we've seen in the winter, you know, Justin Langer, who we, we all know what Justin Langer's like. Justin Langer, you know, intense, you know, drives the wrestling. Really? That's a surprise, isn't it? I mean, that, that really is a shock that that's Justin Langer. Because is Justin that not what Langer, a coach is supposed to do? Well, he, he's a very driven bloke. And now he, he turned that Australian dressing room absolutely around from having a, a, you know, a tough reputation. They had a poor time in South Africa. All the stuff that went on with the sandpaper. And he has got them to winning a T20 World Cup, to winning an Ashes and playing absolutely brilliantly. Then, on the other hand, you get the, the other side of the coin is that we're hearing that Chris Silverwood perhaps wasn't strong enough with the players. You know, wasn't tough enough with the players. So, but we're saying, let's bring Justin Langer in, put him in charge of the England dressing room. The, the, the way that we speak to players as coaches has definitely changed. Again, from when we started playing, people told you what to do, you did it, you listened, you gone and did it. Now, there is more discussion with players and players don't like being shouted out. They don't like being told what to do. I had to change my way. I got sacked to Kent because I was one of those very direct coaches who got stuck into people and people didn't like my way of being. Well, I had to go away and learn. 
And since then, you know, I've, I've done okay in the game. I've done all right. I've managed to get involved with teams that have managed to win a few trophies along the way. But you're absolutely right. There is a danger that if you're too hot and you're too strong on players and you're too tough with them, and, and every player needs something different from you as a coach. Every single player needs something different from you. You know, you can't treat... Steve Harmson, the way you would treat Matthew Hoggard. You can't treat Michael Vaughan the way you would treat Kevin Peterson. You, you treat everyone differently. And it's the same, you know, Anderson, Broad, Root, Cook, all those fantastic players I was lucky enough to work with. You treat them differently. You find out about them. But that's what the best coaches do. You know, the best coaches are the best man managers. They understand the person. They speak to them at the right level. And you, you cajole them. Ben Stokes is a great example. I didn't need to be a genius to get the best out of Ben Stokes when I had a little interim period in charge. I just said to Ben, mate, you're batting at six, you're bowling every over you can manage and go where the ball's going to go in the field because I reckon you can make a difference. And you gave him all the love that he needed. And you told him he was your star man. Go out and perform, go and play. There's a shock. He, went, he goes out and performs. He gets 190 in the same game. He gets key wickets in the second innings. He takes catches and he wins games for you. And, and that's what I think coaching is about. But you're absolutely right. I think there has become a nervousness to start saying to people directly, this is what you need to do. If you want to succeed at Test Match Cricket, Zach Crawley, you've got to put away the big drive outside off stump. You've got to stop throwing your hands at balls. You can't bat on off stump. I am absolutely adamant on that. There are non-negotiables in the game of cricket. Batting on off stump, you've got to get rid of it. We've got to stop it happening in our game because batters are now getting beaten on the outside and the inside edge. You know, you as a bowler, if you saw someone standing on off stump, absolutely happy days. You've got more options of getting them out because the idea that they tell you that they stand on off stumps, they know where the off stump is, but yet they're still defending balls as England did in the winter, defending balls that are not hitting another set of stumps. And the only thing that you ever defend when you're batting is yourself and your stumps. Why are you defending a ball that's going to hit six stumps? Because there's no six stump. The game has the rules haven't changed. There are no more than three stumps. So defend them. You know, I, I heard you talking brilliantly over this last test match on television. You were talking about if you bowl straight, the best players in the world from middle and leg just hit you through the leg side. You have to bowl fourth stump line and keep dragging people across the line. Well, our batters are making it easy for the bowlers. They're Good. standing there. And they're making it easy. So actually, they're making the job of the bowler so much easier. And again, I think, and you're absolutely right, that's because coaches are nervous about saying it's not going to work for you. And people have to be brave enough to say it's not going to work. Come on, you've got to change the way you play. Because if you don't, you're going to play a few games and you're going to be back to county cricket again. And then you go away and you work at your game. And, and we can't afford for England to keep chopping and changing our top six. We just can't afford to do that. Bobby, it just sounds like uh, all, all you've learnt to do is um, put a velvet glove on your iron fist, um, and that um, <laughs> that, that um, may, may, may you, you should run a course um, in that art. <laughs> can, can I just can I ask you about a couple of personnel? Um, yes. Dom Sibley. I mean, Dom Sibley's got a couple of Test hundreds. Um, he he declined. He seemed to decline when he was in the England setup. We're hearing terrific things that he's um, reinvented himself um, and he's he's looking. Terrific. I don't expect you to be impartial or unbiased, obviously. Um, and Rob Yates, yep. massive, massive hopes for him. So how, how would you go about reintroducing or introducing them to the England setup if they are somewhere on the on the rank of cabs? I presume they are. Yeah, look, I, I think they're both at two very different stages. I mean, again, it's ironic that, you know, there were periods during the winter, this winter, when, you know, England and, and Alex Lees, I, I, I thought Alex Lees did really well 
each, each game, I thought he got better and better. And I was really impressed with Leeds. He's someone that I worked yeah. with at Yorkshire many years ago. Um, you know, he's the most stubborn bloke in the world, but I think he's got the mentality to test match cricket. I really do. And and some of the best players I've come across, and Harmy will agree, the best players, they are stubborn. They know their game. Alistair Cook, most stubborn bloke I've ever worked with in my life. Um, they, they are unbelievably stubborn. In Dom's case, in Dom Sibley's case, he quite rightly knocked back the opportunity this winter to go with England Lions. And at the time, I thought he was taking a bit of a risk. As it turned out, I think he's, he's made absolutely the right decision because what he's done is he spent the whole winter working at just getting himself a little bit more sideways aligned. He's got his hands closer. He's picking his bat up straighter and therefore the bat is coming down nice and straight. And I sat and watched, he got 100 yesterday, Edge Baston, and watching on the camera, um, his hands in terms of close to his body, under his head, hitting the ball back past the stumps at the other end, which is what he did in 2019 when he scored thousands of runs for us and got himself into the England team. He has got the mentality to play test match cricket. There is no doubt about that. And that's the biggest challenge. Forget technique. The mentality is the biggest challenge. So I think now that he's got his alignment sorted, his hands closer, I expect him to start brilliantly in county cricket and get himself back into the test team this summer. And I've said many times when he gets in, he won't come out this time because he's not looking to do something he hasn't done before. He scored runs. He scored test match hundreds. He knows how to score test match hundreds. And I think he once he gets back in, he will be in and play. Rob Yates, different, very different. Left-hander, Excellent technique, very good, very mature young man doing a degree in English at the same time as opening the batting for us over the last three years, which, which is fantastic. Um, he copes brilliantly. You know, he'll end up being Warwickshire's captain in, in a few years' time. Very simple, very organised technique. Scored 500s in county cricket last year, 100 in the Bob Willis final at Lords at the end of the season. Very, very good player. I'd love him just to have another 12 months of learning in county cricket before he starts to get close. I, I'd like to think next winter England would take him away again with the Lions. I think they go to, to uh, Sri Lanka. I'd love to see him go on that trip and I'd love to look, see him learn a little bit more about himself and his game. Um, but I, I think Dom Sibley, without a shadow of a doubt, will come back this summer. will be better for it. It'll be better for the experience. He is an unbelievably driven player. He really is. And as I say, the mentality is the difference between players playing seven to 10 test matches and going on and playing 80 to 120 test matches. And I think Dom Sibley's definitely got the mentality to cope with it and do the job. And apparently uh, Rory Burns is also uh, simplifying his technique. So maybe um, uh, uh, those two to be reunited at the top of the order. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, when, I, when Rory first came into the side, I remember him coming with us to Sri Lanka, his first tour, and I was absolutely blown away again mentally by how strong he is. He really is a fantastic, um, fantastic player. I'm pleased that he's simplifying his technique. I think that it, it needs a little bit of simplification. You know, and, and the one thing that I would say is that during my time working with him, he looked to me to be like the obvious next test captain. Um, you know, that's how highly I think of, of Rory. And I, I think if he can get himself back in, he then does become a contender because he is an excellent cricket brain. I think he's very calm, very unflappable. And again, all the things that you're looking for in a test match batter, I, I think Rory Burns has that. Dom Sibley, Rory Burns, I think that they're people that will come again and I think they'll score runs again. Paul Farbrace, always, always great value. Fantastic to have you on. And thank you for your insights, your knowledge, your wisdom and your time. Thank you very much. Very enjoyable. Have a good afternoon. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. 
Next up, we'll discuss the candidates for the vacant head coach role with two Australians linked with the post. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can, as always, download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. We're talking about um, the head coach role for England. Harmy, Justin Langer and Marcus North are the two Australians I referred to. Marcus North is making a late run. Um, he's, uh, he's, he's gone from rank outsider to, um, to being talked about a lot, like top three contender. Yeah, and, 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 and I understand why, because North is brilliant at what he does. He really is. He's been a fantastic director of cricket at Durham. Um, you just got to look where Durham come from. I, I was, I just, I've always wondered if the ECB would go for the, the duo combination of Bostock and, and North. We had Tim on the, on the show a couple of weeks ago. Speaks very, very well. Had a little dig, but not what the, it was like. It was like an application for the chief executive's job. But I can see why he, he gave us the lines he did. And I look at the, the where Durham were, rock bottom. I mean, we were going out of business. And all of a sudden, so Ian Botham comes in. They brought Tim Bostock and Marcus North in. And all of a sudden, Durham have not looked back since. So he's rightly in one of the candidates. I think he'll be interviewed. I'm surprised that Keezy, Rob Key, one of my best mates, but I can also understand that. 
And well, he's he mentioned himself, that Harmy. That, that's yeah. That's why he's being mentioned. He he <laughs> he put his hand up in public. The problem, the problem with the problem with Keezy is, is just the job just doesn't allow golf, and there's no chance he's going to give his <laughs> golf up. So that's why I'm surprised. I really am surprised. Unless keezy has got the shanks and he's given up the game of golf, or even he's, he's fallen out of love with the game of golf, which surprised me very dearly that he would do it. But I'm laughing here and joking. He would be a great. He would be a great man to have an ECB. Problem I've got with ECB, you've got a lot of yes men. You've got a lot of men who are insecure, like I sent to Paul Fabris a second ago. Now, Marcus North, Australian, strongish character. I think he would rock boats. Keezy, I know for a fact. One of the reasons why he hasn't gotten jobs with ECB in the past is because he speaks his mind. You've got to listen to the broadcaster. He's an unbelievable broadcaster. Yeah, Nasser is saying, if you could get these people in the in the system to help benefit English cricket going forward, that's got to be a plus, and that'll filter down eventually. Filter down. So I think North would be a good choice. I think Keezy would be a good choice. I know there's one or two people mentioned, sort of Mark Nicholas, Ed Smith. You know, different to the, so there's there's candidates out there for for director of cricket, coach. I'd be very surprised if they'll go down the Langer route, but if North gets it. Langer comes in because obviously the closeness and the Western Australian element of it, I think that's it. That would be nearly a shoe in. What do the England cricket need at this minute? I would say they need a little bit of time, new cycle, trying to get you know, ducks in a row. And then you bring the coach in. Captain says he's not going anywhere. So that's, you know, that's up to the new director of cricket, Sir Andrew Strauss. But I've seen good things out, out here with Paul Collingwood. I really have. I've seen. A group of a group of men who are together, and Barfar, you know, the, the crack under pressure. I thought they handled the pressure well in Antigua, did well in Barbados. But you're judged on your, your results, and unfortunately for Paul and for Marcus, and you know, for the rest of the team, that they ended up on a, on a, on a one nil defeat against a side that they should have beaten. That might have gone against Paul Collingwood, but like I said, I'd give him the job. I really would. I speak, I spoke to a few batters. And they love working with Marcus Triscothic. So for me, that's a non-negotiable. He stays in whatever system that you come in. I think Paul stays in whatever system's coming. Um, and if they need an ex- more experienced man or somebody that's got a little bit more fire about him, and if that's Langer, so be it. But I think that the people that have had this team coaching here at this minute in time, I think have turned a corner. There's been a problem in English cricket over the years, Harmi, and you've spoken a lot about it. The best bits have all been off air, unfortunately, about um, <laughs> about jobs for the boys. And, you know, it's, it's understandable to some extent because somebody gets put in a position or hired in a position to hire other people. They hire those they know and they've worked with before and then they get accused of nepotism. But um, I, do, I do just think that maybe, you know, Paul Collingwood staying on, being given the job full time, might be. I asked you about this last week, and and um, you said that you did think there was sufficient distance between him and the players. But you need someone, Harmy, to say if you want to bat on off stump and score runs in the county championship, you can do it. But you're not going to play in the test team, okay? Uh, batting on the off stump hasn't worked uh, for about about a hundred years. Um, the the best players in the history of test cricket have generally batted on leg stump or middle and leg. So. Uh, that's what you're going to have to do. Oh, and you, um, you hit the target area with the new ball 16% of the time. That's pathetic. Okay. Mm. You weren't unlucky. 
and you're not going to play test cricket. Um, if, if I, as long as I'm in charge, that is unacceptable. Can you hit the target area 50% of the time, please, with the new ball? Can you do that? People say, what, what do they mean by England needs a hard coach? What do they mean? It's not making people run laps of the ground. It's not making them sit in an ice bath. It's being honest about their ability, yeah. isn't it? Asking challenging questions. What's your method? And how, what's your end goal? And, what's, and how do you get to the conclusion that you're batting off stump? What is the benefits of batting an off stump? And then when they say X, Y, and Z, then you say, this is why I'm saying you can't batting off stump. You know, you, you, anything outside your, outside your eye line, you can't play at as an opening batsman for the first session. You can't. You shouldn't be playing at these things, even though there's a wide open space at extra cover. There's Zach Crawley. But you've got to make sure that your head is so in line and your balance is so in line because the second you fall over, you miss it on the inside. DRS wins every single time. Because an umpire can stand, see that there's no, there's no stumps to see. So you're going to get, and then you're making the stumps wider because if an LBW decision, bang, it just has to clip because the umpire is going to give you out. There's no way an umpire is not going to give you out if you get hit on a pad button and not stump. So, a lot, these are all benefits of scoring shots, benefits of trying to line the ball up, possibly. You know, any movement to sort of smother any movement. For me, it's far outweighed of, well, you're going to get out batting an off stump. There's a lot more ways to get out on off stump. And unfortunately, in international cricket, bowlers bowl in the channel and they're very, very skillful. And that's, for me, that's what a, a coach, a good coach should be saying. But it's, a good coach is strong. Like you mentioned, he's not about laps or in that, but he asks you serious questions and he asks you hard questions. If you've not got the answers to them, then he doesn't pick you because you haven't got the weight of runs to back you up or the wickets that you've got. So that would be from a hard coach's point of view. Okay, um, let's remind ourselves of what um, Matt Pryor said needs to happen um, with county cricket. We absolutely need a better standard of first-class cricket. No doubt about it. And the gap between test cricket and first class or county championship cricket is always going to be big. Um, you know, there's no getting away from that. But right now, it is monumental. What the, condi- the conditions players are playing in, and I'm, I'm not blaming the individuals and the players. They're, they're playing the game that is in front of them. They're playing on the surfaces that are prepared for them. They're playing under the formats and, you know, point system that that is decided by other other people um when you all the points are on wins and you turn up and play on cabbage patches how are we teaching young batsmen to score big hundreds you're not average 30 in a season is like brilliant fantastic as long as we win the game that's ridiculous county cricket first class cricket is there to prepare young players as best as possible so that when they walk out at the gabba they have got the technique and the performances behind them that gives them a chance. That was Matt Pryor uh, just emphasising the importance of, of the quality and standard of county cricket. And let's um, sum things up very quickly, Harmi. I know that you can talk for another 15 minutes on the improvement of county cricket, but basically uh, we're looking at strengthening the top end of the county game <laughs> Not having a point system so weighted in favour of victory that counties prepare result pitches um, and that we have strength versus strength, play a little bit less on better pitches. And there are various ways of doing that, promotion and relegation, three conferences. um, 
But that's basically what we're trying to do, isn't it? Like push all the best players at the top so they play against each other in high-intensity competitions on good pitches where bowlers have to work hard for their wickets. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to play less. I know Fabi said about you know, that we play on good pitches. You might do it Warwickshire. You might do it Warwickshire, but it's not all around the, around the country because scores are telling you that. And I'm not having a go at the groundsman here when I say play on better pitches. I'd like to play less games, which gives the groundsman less less games on his field and he can prepare the field, make sure the pitch is the best he possibly can. Farby carrying balls, carrying to slip. That's what we want. Don't think it's happening all around the country. And the system at the minute for me is flawed when you're picking up good points for draws and things like that. For me, even a simple three points for a win, you know, that that's it. You get three points for a win. You get nothing for a loss. You get a point for drawn like the football where you're trying to sort of simplify it. You go and win a game. You've got four days, like like in Test Cricket, it's five days. doesn't mean it's got to go five days. doesn't mean it's got to go four days. Play the best cricket you possibly can and you win matches. And you win as many matches as you possibly can to win the county championship. Two divisions I don't have a problem with, promotion and relegation, and make it easier for players to move around. Make it easier for players to move around. The good, big counties will always get bigger and stronger, but that's inevitable. To do that anyway. The Stuart Broad is always going to leave Leicestershire to go to Nottingham. It was just a matter of when he did it. And unfortunately, that's what the smaller counties, that, that's that's the dog eat dog world that they've got to try and they can't overcome. They've just got to they've got to take it in. That that's that's life. That's what these test test venues have got. You produce your best players you possibly can to be to be the best team you possibly can. And if you do that, that will produce more England players. Okay, so um, just to sum up, all the points I made are valid, uh, but you're just going to throw in a transfer system as well. I've got no problem with a transfer system in that front that you can go and get the best players. And if, they, if you want to incentivize it, it's the same as the Blast in the 100. They've got to put them two together. Not, not as in the same competition, but you can, you, can have your, you can have your player auction, English player auction, after the Blast is finished. So you're given a county cricketer who's had a great Blast a chance to go in and get a, a lucrative contract, 30, 40, 50, 60 grand contract off the back of a good blast. He's not in this 100 this year. So look, Joe, little Johnny, who gets a big score, you know, does well in the blast, doesn't get a 100 gig because all the positions are filled. So there's a, there'll be a link into it. So for me, I think the same transfer system, let people move around and then you'll build your own club and your own identity in the same way rather than having... A good side having 14 players with three players missing out, four players missing out, five players missing out because you can't balance your teams up and you play two players that you don't really want to play. But, you know, we need that position filled. There were then them good players should be playing at other clubs and you could, you could see the smaller clubs getting better because all the best players in the country are playing every single week. Uh, if anybody's listening at the ECB, um, th- just bear that in mind, would you? Transfer window, <laughs> transfer window, end of July. Okay, um, massive, massive game on Thursday. England face South Africa in the early hours. Um, the uh, Australians, of course, face West Indies, who um, snuck into the semi-finals, courtesy of South Africa's extraordinary last group game win against India, which knocked them out. Absolutely extraordinary. I mean, we've had seven or eight of the closest World Cup games all in one tournament. And then that game between South Africa and India with South Africa chasing down the second highest score ever. In fact, it was the highest run chase in a women's World Cup. 
absolutely extraordinary finish um, with uh, India, thinking they'd they'd won the game with Mignon Dupria, the South African batter, holding out to long on, only for it to be called a no ball. The third last ball of the match, it was desperate, desperate stuff. Incredibly emotional. But from an England point of view, Harmi, they, they pitch up as defending champions, lose their first three games, and then, in order to retain it, have to win five in a row, like four semi-finals and a final. If they and they, they've well, they they're in the semi-final. They won their last four games in the group stage, and they seem to be getting better. They do, and it's great to see. You know, we we, we talked last week. We said that if they want to do it, it's they've got a chance if they get to the semi-final and breeze in the semi-final as well because they've been playing knockout cricket. They've been playing high demand, high pressure cricket. Men could take a little bit of a leaf out of the book of playing playing under pressure and playing under pressure well, but they've been fantastic. We've been watching mainly on the highlights. I've seen a few highlights packages sitting against the bottom. There's a there's a lovely beach bar about hundred yards from our hotel, and me and Butcher have watched raise the glass to the women every single time that we watch the highlights package, and they've gone through. And it's uh, and it's but it has been a great tournament. It, it talked about the the games, you know, seven seven or eight tight games. I thought the 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 video, the little video that the um, the ICC put out the other night, which was the West Indies, was there was West Indies sort of team room while the game was going on in South Africa. That was brilliant. That was fantastic. And it, things like that are going to enhance the women's game. You know, if, if if the men's game struggling a little bit, it's gone in the opposite direction to the women's game. Power in the men's game is going all towards sort of India and. You know, the IPL and everything that's white ball IPL stuff and India are getting stronger and other teams around the world are wiltering a little bit. In the women's game, the whole game seems to be getting better, which is great to see. Um, And, you know, that's something that England could benefit from if they can somehow get through the semi-final and I'm sure they'll play Australia in the final. Okay, here's uh, what Captain Heather Knight had to say before the semi-final. Yeah, I think if you given me this situation two weeks ago would have bitten your hand off um it's been a remarkable turnaround I think credit to everyone in the group all of the staff I think it shows the character that we've got in this group to pick ourselves up after a pretty poor start to the competition and, and obviously qualify but um yeah really excited to be in the semi-finals uh, repeat obviously of 2017 that semi-final against South Africa so yeah really in a good place we've obviously built a little bit of momentum in the last few games feel like we're Peaking at the right time, hopefully, and um, looking forward to getting going on Thursday. They certainly are peaking um, because they lost the first three games and uh, they're certainly on uh, an upward uh, graph there. I'm, I do feel for the West Indies. Well, they've got nothing to lose against Australia, I suppose. Australia that much better than everybody else, it seems. They won seven out of seven. So um, West Indies, can uh, they've got a free hit, really, against uh, Australia. Um, a few... Other stories from around the world. Um, Harmi, we actually, we've understandably focused on England's inadequacies. I must say, um, at times, it looked that the series looked like two teams brandishing their inadequacies at each other and um, seeing which one was more inadequate than the other. And I don't mean that in any way to be unkind, but we should actually pay a little bit more credit to the West Indies um, for particularly their performance. Well, no, actually holding on in the first two tests and then bouncing back so strongly. So I'll I'll ask you to pay a little bit of uh, credit to them. As I say also that um, remind people, Trevor Bayliss is uh, back in England. He's set to take over um, the London spirit as head coach, um, replacing the late, great Shane Warne. 
Um, it's it's Warren's remembrance ceremony at the MCG later this week. Uh, those are a couple of the stories that have uh, caught my attention. But good on the West Indies. Good on them. I mean, good on Jason Holder uh, for not going to the IPL and and for wanting to play cricket for the West Indies. Good on Craig Brathwaite. Good on all of them. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. They, they handled, like, I asked Joe in in that sort of press in the press conference that we had. You know, did the West Indies were the West Indies a better side, or was it just they won the better moments, the big moments? And the big moments were at the end of Antigua when Jason Holder came in at number six on number seven and batted for a hundred balls. England had seventy one overs at England at, at the West Indies to win the game on the last day. Couldn't do it. Ended up being four down. Similar happened in Barbados. And then when the pressure was on England, Kyle Myers ran up and bowled 77 mile an hour at the top of off stump and England England crashed. England just capitulated. So they did win the better moments. They won the better series. Craig Bradford was unbelievable. You know, the way England bowled, didn't bowl badly at him by any stretch of the imagination. He played on three pitches where if you had a solid defence, you had a bit of discipline. He didn't play a big shot and away from your body, exactly the way Craig Brathwaite plays, then it was going to be difficult for the bowlers to get you out. And that's what that's what happened. Leading run score of 300 and 350 runs or something. So, yeah, I think full credit. I, I was on air with Ian Bishop on day five, on the day, on day four, right at the very end. And he had a go. And it's the first time, really, that Bishop gives his, his sort of an opinion, an, an out there opinion. And he was he was saying he was very disappointed at the way the night before's headline or the morning's headlines was all about Joe Root getting sacked and the England capitulation rather than say how well done Kyle Miles had bowled. I think that was the biggest one, um, as well as you know Brathwaite. And he had a point. He really did have a point. But I did say to him on air, I said this is the story is not about Myers getting the wickets. It's about one of the greatest players in the game possibly losing his job. And I think you, we always look for sensational headlines rather than patting somebody on the back. But patting somebody on the back, the West Indies were excellent. They've been a great host, been a great host. Um, and Jason Holder, for me, is one of the most impressive men in world cricket, not only because he's a good batsman, a bowler and a fielder, but because he's a really, really nice guy as well. And on that note, we shall take our leave. Uh, you've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed. Now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever else you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, as we build up to the start of the county championship. This has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 